live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. All right, a couple interesting things coming together. Of course, over the course of the last several weeks, we have had a series of of protests, marches all across the country, both locally and all across the country, trying to raise awareness to systematic racism in this country. And uh, it's fueled some of these movements to defund the police. And and people argue about what that means. Some people say, well, when we say defund, we don't really mean defund. We mean just cut their budgets, but but not totally. And then other people are very upfront about it. They they want to do away with the police department. I mean, there's there's some nutcase groups out in Madison that are pushing for that. Yes, let's defund the police department. We view the police as an occupying force. The world would be a better place without them. So so you have that that going on. Well, all right. For everybody who wants to defund the police or substantially reduce their budget. Maybe you should just look at some of the things that happened over the weekend. For example, in Milwaukee, we'll just start close to home. In Milwaukee, the medical examiner is investigating four homicides, two fatal accidents, and 11 shootings that took place over the last weekend. Four homicides, two fatal accidents, and 11 separate shootings. In Minneapolis, where this whole thing started after the 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 death of George Floyd in in just one incident alone over the weekend one person dead 11 people wounded in a shooting that occurred in near proximity to where the the passing of George Floyd was all right so you you you've got for everybody who's out there saying let's get rid of the police well okay maybe you need to tell the bad guys that they're not quite with that program and then we come to Chicago. Now, over the Mother's Day weekend, you will recall that um, over the Mother's Day weekend in Chicago, there were 85 people who were shot, 85 people who were shot, 24 killed in 85 shootings over a three-day period, and Chicago set an all-time record for single-day homicides with 18 people shot on that Saturday. That was, you know, about a month ago with the Mother's Day weekend. So, I mean, all right, for everybody out there saying, okay, let's let's defund the police. All right, how, how do you, what, who's going to deal with the 85 people that were shot? Well, all right, last weekend was Father's Day, and I guess there, there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is... That over the Father's Day weekend, last Friday through Sunday, there, there weren't 24 people who were fatally shot. The fatalities were only 14. It was only 14. But the number of shootings were up. 104 people shot in Chicago, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That That's up from 85 for Mother's Day weekend. Now, as I frequently say, homicides are 
are not the best indicator of violence. What do you mean, Jeff? I mean, somebody's dead. Well, yes, but anytime there's a shooting, it it could easily result. That's always been my point. Anytime there's a shooting, it could easily result in, in a death. And a lot of times when they're shooting, it's but for the grace of God that the bullet I don't know, nicks your rib instead of, you know, hits a ventricle and you bleed out. It, or it's a tribute to medical science or, or whatever. But, I mean, the, the shootings are what you look at. 104 people shot in Chicago over the past three days. Let's let that sink in for everybody who's out there saying, let's defund the police department. Let's do away with the police department. Who are you going to call when those shootings occur? One other thing, you know, we, we've had a lot of protests that, that are out there that are designed to emphasize the problems we have with, with the police. And, and I understand where that, that comes from. And I will be the first to acknowledge that you have, you have bad apples. You have rogue police officers in different departments. And we need to do everything we possibly can to weed out those rogue police, you know, officers. And, and certainly the, the death of George Floyd, appalling. There's no question about it. The shooting of the man in the back in Atlanta, appalling. No problem, no issue with that. And I understand the protests. At the same time, given the fact that much of this violence that is occurring, not all, but much of the violence that is occurring in major urban areas is occurring in the the same areas where the protests are being targeted at the police, I do find myself wondering, all right, where are the protests expressing outrage at the criminal elements? Now, I, I have no problem. Look, you know, police misbehavior, let, let's protest. Okay, let's talk about the need for police reform. Oh, okay, but but that, the deaths, the injuries caused by the police misconduct is a fraction of the deaths and havoc being wreaked on a on a daily or a weekly basis by violent criminal elements in various communities. And I guess, where are the protests about that? You know, where are the protests about, you know, we, we need to get the criminals out of our community because 104 people being shot over a three-day period is absolutely unacceptable. Nobody should be required or expected to live in circumstances like that. So I, I just, I mean, I raise this as part of, of the protests as long as we're upset about, again, you know, the, the police misconduct, and that's all well and good, maybe we should have subsets that are upset about, well, the, just the crime on a daily basis that is plaguing so many of our communities in the country. Just saying. All right. When we come back, are some of the protests starting to jump the shark? I'll tell you about something that happened at one in Milwaukee last week, and we'll discuss. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, so there are a number of protests going on around the the area. In general, especially recently, the protests have all been peaceful, and and that's fine. People have a a right to protest. No issue with that. One of the things, late last week, there were some protests that that broke out in in Wauwatosa. Now, if you haven't been following it, here's what happens. There's a particular Wauwatosa police department, or police officer, who's been on the force for a number of years, who has been involved in, I think during his career, three shooting incidents. All right. Uh, the first two were reviewed, were found to be justified. Fine. 
The third shooting incident that he has been involved with occurred in early February of this year. You might remember the story. Apparently what happened is the the police got called by security at Mayfair that there was a, a fight among young people, among young teenagers. The police arrive on the scene and what what happens is one of the one of the kids that's involved that they they start to flee and according to the police there's this 17 year old who is in possession of a stolen handgun who as he's running fires a shot at one of the police officers or multiple police officers and this police officer his name is Joseph Mensa and he's been involved in a couple police shootings before that have all been ruled justified he returns fire and hits and kills the 17 year old kid all right, so that that's the story. The family disputes the fact that, that he fired a gun during the encounter. So the family says that the police aren't telling the truth. All right, that the matter right now is under investigation by by the DA's office. So and the police officer is suspended with pay, but it, but it's being it's it's being investigated now. The official story is kid had a stolen gun, turned, fired a shot at the officer. They returned fire. All right, I I don't I don't know what the truth of this is. Presumably, the investigation is going to d- determine this. But it, it is a matter that is being investigated. Anyhow, the, the family is is understandably upset. And like I say, they are maintaining the fact that the kid never fired. The, don't, don't know what the facts are going to turn out to be, but that will like, ad- undoubtedly all come out in the investigation. So what happened last Thursday is, is a group of protesters, including members of the family of the 17-year-old who was shot, they decided they were going to stage a protest, and so they, they went to the Wauwatosa Police Department. And what they did is they went inside the police department and they demanded to speak with the chief, who apparently was unavailable. So there 50 people are like in the in the police department and they're chanting fire chief weber fire chief weber well okay so that lasts for a while then ultimately you know after about a half hour the protesters decide to leave the police station okay fine and they're they're chanting the names of the young man the 17 year old who was shot in february and another person who was shot by the same police officer you know, years ago, and then a third guy that was involved in the, that was, was shot as well. Like I say, this police officers had three shooting instances. The first two have been determined to be justified. So, so anyhow, all right, that, that, that's fine. They've expressed their protest. They went to the Wauwatosa Police Department. All right, so then, then they leave the police department. Here's where I guess it kind of gets interesting to me. This is the way the Journal Sentinel writes it up. Protesters traveled to the Mayfair Mall. At which point in time, one of the relatives of the 17-year-old decides to approach patrons who are seated outdoors at the Cheesecake Factory. The Cheesecake Factory is, of course, you know, one of the restaurants. It's a freestanding restaurant on the perimeter of Mayfair Mall. The 17-year-old, the shooting incident occurred in the Cheesecake Factory's parking lot or or right by the the parking lot. But the Cheesecake Factory had absolutely nothing to do with with the shooting incident. The the Cheesecake Factory, it's it's this restaurant on, on the perimeter. But for the fact that the shooting occurred in the parking lot at Mayfair Mall and the Cheesecake Factory is located in the parking lot at Mayfair Mall, the Cheesecake Factory had nothing to do with this particular shooting. Nevertheless, the protesters 
go go to the cheesecake factory where there are people that are sitting outside, you know, dining on, on the patio. At which point in time, um, one or more of the protesters started like going around to the different tables, telling people that they they should leave. The, the cheesecake pa- factory and encouraging them to do I- exactly that, and they're they're apparently saying, "Well, the cheesecake factory hasn't issued a statement about the shooting of my brother, and the cheesecake factory uh, d- doesn't have cameras in in their parking lot." So you know, we 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 think you should leave the cheesecake factory. So they start going to these people who are eating lunch or dinner or whatever at the cheesecake factory and telling them that they should leave or encouraging them to leave and applauding when some of them do. Our number eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are things like this counterproductive? I, I mean, the cheesecake factory at Mayfair has absolutely nothing to do with the 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 form of the protest it has it's it has nothing to do with the shooting other than the fact that this happens to be a restaurant that's located in the proximity of where the shooting was i mean it's not like the cheesecake factory even called the police on on the kid the cheesecake factory has nothing to do with it and yet you have the protesters that are there um i don't know trying to encourage the diners to leave 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As somebody who supports protest, and I understand the sit-in at the Wauwatosa Police Department. I I get it. I I understand that because they're they're trying to bring about change with the Wauwatosa Police Department. But what do you possibly gain by going out to this restaurant, which is probably just reopened to dining, and then encouraging diners to get up and and leave? You know, haven't haven't restaurants had enough problems over the course of the last few months? I mean, is, is this is this an example of protest? For example, my phrase is jumping the shark. And, and by doing employing tactics like this, do you risk turning people off to I, I don't know maybe some of the legitimate issues that are being raised by the the, the Subject matter of the protest. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, look, I, I get why people would leave. I, I understand that. If I'm sitting out on a patio d- dining and I, I've got you know a group of protesters that are screaming, leave, leave, leave. Well, okay, I, I understand that why, why people would end up leaving. But does that bring people around to the cause of protesters or does it turn people off? And my sense is I think you know tactics like that Turn more people off than make people sympathetic to the cause. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, we're telling the story about what happened last Thursday at, at Mayfair Shopping Center, which has had a number of problems. There's a number of people who are protesting a shooting that happened at Mayfair in February involving a 17-year-old kid and the, the Wauwatosa Police Department. The police's story is the kid had a stolen gun and he sh- took a shot at one of the police officers who then returned fire, killed the kid. All right, so th- the matter is under investigation. I, I don't, the family says there was not a shot fired. The investigation will reveal that one way or the other. So the protesters go to the police department. They, they're there for 30 minutes demanding the police chief meet with them and he be fired and the cops be fired. That, that's okay. That's fine. I understand that's the point of the protest. Then they go over to Mayfair, the shopping center, and they start 
yelling and at people who are eating dinner outside on the patio at the Cheesecake Factory, which has nothing to do with, with what happened at, at Mayfair. It, it's it, nothing at all. And so you have these people that are dining outside and they're being, they're being told, leave, 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 please go out and leave. And some of them do. I, I don't doubt it because they didn't want to be in the middle of this. My point is that it's, I mean, completely counterproductive. And this is the type of thing, and it's one of the things where you start to see how these protests kind of jump the shark, because you know people might otherwise be sympathetic, but then you hear this. Here's some text. Jeff, Cheesecake Factory, is it counterproductive? In my opinion, yes. Are private businesses obligated to have cameras? I, I believe not. Um, Jeff, um, all these protests and protesters, some are just there for bullying, and more people are getting frustrated with them, and I, I can see where there will be some sort of backlash. Um, you know, um, Jeff, uh, let's see, uh, these people have straight up lost their mind. If you're going to protest, protest. Don't be ridiculous and bother people while they're eating. The business has nothing to do with it. Right, exactly. And I think, you know, this is kind of one of the messages that needs to go out. Jeff, isn't somebody text, isn't this illegal harassment? Maybe that's why some left. Well, I don't know that's illegal harassment or whatever, but it is, it, it's definitely a, a form of, it's definitely a form of harassment. But again, it's, to me, what made no sense about this is the business has nothing to do with this. And, and the last thing it seems to me we need right now is businesses being targeted when businesses have nothing at all to do with, with the protests. Now, will Cheesecake Factory survive? A- absolutely. But I, I do think that the more protests that decide to use tactics like this in an effort to try to gain support for whatever their cause is, no matter how legitimate that cause may be. And by the way, I take no position on on whether or not the Wauwatosa police shooting was justified or not. The investigation will play that out and we'll discuss it at the time. But I do say walking over to Mayfair Mall and trying to Again, discourage people from patronizing a business that has nothing to do with this at all makes absolutely no sense and is a sign that, you know, you to me, it's a sign that at least some of these protests are starting to, number one, be counterproductive, and number two, kind of jump that shark. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. True story. David Appleton says, Jeff, if you hadn't lost so much weight, uh, maybe you would have had better traction getting through the rough there. Could be. that that That's it. It's like you, you go on this health kick, you lose a bunch of weight, and then next thing to know, you're getting stuck in the rough. It was, uh, it, and again, it was just, I mean, it was not a pleasant few moments, and it's not just getting wet, but it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I just, I, I felt, I, I felt terrible, especially felt terrible that, you know, my I made my wife uncomfortable, and, and I'm like, what a stupid thing. And she's like, well, you really didn't know, you know, that it was wet there. You know, we were just trying to get out of the rain. Oh, well, we do it for the stories we can tell. Um, all right. We all know what's happened after after the, the shutdown in the state in, in March. Schools essentially went out of session. And we, we've talked about this before. 
everybody was supposed to go to remote learning. It worked out well for some people. It worked out horribly for others. Um, and and it's been a real challenge for, for parents who, um, I mean, are now they're supposed to, a lot of parents are trying to work at home, and at the same time, you're supposed to play teacher for, for your kids. And some people, you know, some of the kids are, are up and into this, and others aren't, and some teachers are available and some aren't. It's just, it, it's been something that they had to do, but at the same time, it hasn't been a good alternative for most people. I think we can we can agree on on that. And the idea of continuing with virtual learning or remote learning is, I would argue, completely and totally unacceptable. We we got to figure out a way to get the kids back into school at least some days of a week. First of all, because it's difficult for the kids to learn. Secondly, I, I think it's difficult for the teachers to do their job. And third, it's a bear for the parents to, to do this. And especially as more and more parents start to, to go back to work. Now, I, I understand it's one thing, at least if, if you're home, and you, you can at least try to monitor your kids' progress and make sure they're on the computer doing what they're supposed to do instead of playing video games. But but once the parents start to go back to work, it becomes an, an almost impossible sort of task. So you've, my premise is the kids have to be back in school this fall. Now, that doesn't mean five days a week. And maybe five days a week is not practical. But the idea of the schools, and I'm talking about elementary and secondary, grade schools and high schools, the schools not doing in-person teaching, I think, is unacceptable. Now, I bring this out because the State Department of Public Instruction is out with new guidelines. And what they say is that schools should expect coronavirus to be an issue for the next 18 months. For the next year and a half. Okay, so can you imagine if what kids and what our education system went through over the last three months really does play out for the next year and a half? And, and what they did is DPI came out and they offered a, a couple different alternatives. One alternative is um, sending kids back to school four days a week and then closing school on a Friday to deep clean the school every Friday. Uh, another option is allowing students to attend school in person one week and receive virtual instruction the next. And presumably the way they would do that is, like let's say you had an elementary school where you had f- grades one through six, just in my example. All right, well, one week grades one, three, and five would be in, and then the next week, grades two, four, and six would be in, and, and that way you could reduce class sizes and you could reduce space. All right, that that's an option. Another option they're kicking around, particularly for high school kids, is we, we just stick with virtual learning, and, and you just do it all over the Internet. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Whether it's two days on and two days off, or whether it's one week on and one week off, or whether it's four days on and, and then you close the day. I, I, I don't know. Individual schools can decide that. But I think it is critical that the kids have to physically be back in school. And I think that there, you know, maybe you couple this with checking everybody's temperature in the morning and things like that. But you, you, you cannot keep the schools shut down. 
and the as will inevitably happen, somebody's going to get sick. I mean, you just you're starting to see this with sports. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on the show. You know, somebody's going to get sick. There, there, there's no question about it. You're you're going to have kids that get sick. You're going to perhaps have teachers that get sick. Well, I, I think we're going to have to figure out how to play through that. And the fact that you get a couple of kids sick doesn't mean that you have to then automatically shut down the rest of the school. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think on a scale of 1 to 10, if the question is, how important is in-person learning for this fall? To me, that answer is a 10. And and again, you, you can play around with with how you do it. But you got to get the kids back into school, and you got to get them back into school for a substantial period of time. Can you use maybe the again the the edge the virtual learning to supplement what's going on in the classroom? Maybe, but we can't continue to do what we did the last several months. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. This is Jeff Wagner. We discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> Jeff, we are fortunate that my wife is a stay-at-home mom and a former teacher, so we don't even have the child care issue to deal with, nor the difficulty of teaching. However, we both think kids need to be in the school building in the fall, period. Um, Jeff, as a co-worker of mine, got COVID-19. He was out for a month. I think there needs to be a plan for teachers to be off for an extended time if they catch the virus. Well, th- that's... Right. That, that's got to be part of the, the plan, because inevitably there will be a teacher that catches the virus. I mean, somewhere, somehow there's going to be a teacher that comes down with this, just like there's going to be students that come down with this. And you, you've got to have what what the plan B is, because it, it's going to be inevitable. OK, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Fred in Milwaukee. Fred, good afternoon. Hello, Jeff. How are you today? I am well, thank you. How important is it to get the kids back to school? Well, I got a couple questions, and then I'm going to let you talk, and I'm going to listen. First of all, I've heard nothing that schools are reopening. Governor Evers has not made any kind of remarks that he's going to reopen schools. Mm-hmm. And any place I've, anybody that I have talked to about it, they do not know because Governor Evers has not told them if he's reopening schools. Uh, second of all, yeah, I think it's important that that the students go back to school, but only if it's safe and only if this coronavirus doesn't spike. Because I've been places and people do not practice what they're supposed to practice. There's no social distancing. These places are just jam-packed with people. Mm-hmm. Nobody's got face masks on. And I think it's going to be just like the southern states. I think our coronavirus is going to spike and I think it's going to spike at an all-time record because uh, they think this is over with, and it's far from being over with. Well, so you have a wonderful day, and I'm going friend. to listen. Thank you. Well, I, I, I hope you're wrong with, with the, the spike. But at, at the same time, I, I think it is important for the schools to open. And to your point, it, it the, the Department of Public Instruction, they, they've come out with these guidelines, but it, it's up to the local school districts to decide what they want to do. Now, of course... Tony Evers has the authority through his Department of Health to, to, again, shut down the schools or to prevent them from opening. That, I think, would be a huge, huge error because I think it's it's critical for the kids to get back in schools. And, and let's face it, I, I think it's almost a given that, that one of the conditions is going to be that when the schools open, there, there's going to be 
more separation and there's going to be kids wearing masks and teachers that are wearing masks and how you enforce that when you've got you know telling an eight eight year old or a 10 year old that you got to wear a mask all day that's going to be a challenge but i'm sure that's going to be part of the guideline jeff i'm a 20 plus year special education teacher i agree it's critical to go back to the fullest extent possible our economy depends on it of course but also the mental health of students the past three months i engaged in distance learning with my middle school students participation was less than 30% um, online. Online learning is an equity issue that needs to be used only in extreme issues. Yeah, and that's that's true. I mean, I, I, I have grandkids and I have nephews and I, I know a lot of people that have the kids and, and, and they say it's hit or miss. A, a couple kids I know have thrived in that role. Some have gotten by and a lot didn't because it's just there, there's so much stuff that, that's going on and Look, there's nothing that replaces that that personal classroom experience. 855-616-1620, Nancy in Burlington. Hi, Nancy. Hey, hi, Jeff. Uh, I have a couple ideas. One is uh, when I was in middle school in Racine, there were too many kids and not enough schools. And we went on a split shift. So I think seventh graders went from, or maybe it was ninth graders, went from like seven till noon, and then seventh and eighth graders or something like that went from uh, one to five. We survived. I did it for three years until they built, I think it was um, Gifford in Racine. Uh, So they could do a split shift. Right. Uh, kids need continuity. They need to be in the classroom. They need the familiarity. Right. Uh, they, they need to socialize. It's so important. So it's it's an idea to split them up so there's only 15 kids in a classroom or 20 kids in a classroom instead of 30. Yeah. And um, sanitize in between or right. sanitize at night when they all go home. But we could do that for two. I think we yeah. could easily do that for two years. Well, I think they, Nancy. Thanks for calling. I mean, I, I think I, I think that that that's where many of the school districts are are going to go, particularly the ones that have real crowding situations. Maybe it is going to be the four days on and then the one days off, day off, or or again that that kind of split schedule that I was talking about, where it's you know first, third, fifth grade go three days one week and then two days the next. You know, but. But you got to get the kids back in, into the classroom, and you also have to be prepared. Like I say, that there will there will be people, just like there were people that come down with the flu, and, and I understand this isn't the flu, but you know you you need to recognize that there's going to be people that get sick, and those people that, that get sick, okay, well, you know they're they're, they're going to be out of the environment for you know a couple of weeks until they get better. Jeff, I agree with you 100. percent I have two kids. One, I have five kids, one in college, two in high school, two in grade school. The online learning was a joke at every level. Everyone just needs to get back to face-to-face, and thankfully that is the plan for all of the schools that my kids uh, attend. Um, much more harm is being done, especially in this age bracket, by curtailing and contorting their education and their lives by what I think is an overreaction. Yeah, I think that that's... That, that is the element. And, and just like we are starting to have people go back to work, and just like we're starting to go out to stores, and just like we're starting to go out to restaurants, and just like we're starting to resume our lives, recognizing that coronavirus is a part of our lives that we have to deal with, 
getting kids back into school is crucial. And the idea of online learning for six months or 12 months or 18 months, that's just unacceptable. At least it seems so to me. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. I'm not going to bury the lead. Here's the theme. The world is going crazy, and some of these protesters are nuts. The world is going crazy, and some of these protesters are nuts. Now, I... Look... There's this ongoing debate, of course, it has been around for years about Confederate statues and things like that. And, and the argument is always, well, we shouldn't be honoring people who were, were traitors. You know, and the South was all about slavery and they lost the Civil War. So why would you have a memorial to Jefferson Davis or Robert E. Lee? Oh, OK. I, I, I get I get that. I, I'm not saying I agree with that, but I get it. I understand the argument. Thursday in Portland. And Portland is one of these cities that has been plagued by the the, the protests that that have a legitimate purpose, but then get co-opted and just go off the rails. A group of protesters on Thursday in Portland decided to vandalize and destroy a statue of George Washington, the father of our our nation. Uh, the, The statue was pulled over, spray painted with the words, genocidal colonist you're on native lands blm which would be black lives matter and big floyd presumably referring to to george floyd who died last month at the hands of the minneapolis police um it was also tagged with 1619 which is in reference to the year the first slaves were brought to what is now the united states okay so george washington that that statue's got to come down of our first president, one of the founding fathers. And then, then, um, day or two later, protesters pulled down a statue of Thomas Jefferson. Now, Thomas Jefferson, by the way, is considered to be the founder of the modern-day Democratic Party. Um, they pulled down a statue of Thomas Jefferson, spray-painted slave owner a- after that. And, and Jefferson was in fact at least for a, a, a point in time, at least a period of time in his life, he, he was he was a slave owner. But here you have Thomas Jefferson and George Washington, who are now unacceptable to the the protest movement. Woodrow Wilson, his name is now being removed from various buildings at Monmouth University. Um, Monmouth University is one of the buildings that um, I guess that was underwritten by by uh, Woodrow Wilson. Same thing was done at Princeton University. I mean, this this effort that's there. What, what's what's people's beef with Woodrow Wilson, who of course is best known as um, for his role in peace negotiations after World War One. He was the architect of the League of Nations, which ultimately failed, but was the precursor for the United Nations. Um, the some historians say, well. You know what? What he did is, um, you know, he he appointed some racists to his cabinet, and um, you know he he promoted segregation in government. So now, now, now we can't we can't recognize Woodrow Wilson, and, and then then the story about U- Ulysses S. Grant. Now, can I see a show of hands? Anybody who might have watched the Grant miniseries that appeared on the History Channel a couple of weeks ago? All right, you you can make an argument that were it not for 
the leadership of General Grant during the Civil War that the North might not have won the Civil War. Let me just let that that out there, because what happened is you had one general after another who were being fired by Lincoln because they, they, they couldn't win battles, they, they couldn't fight, and then he finally found Grant, and Grant ended up winning the war. I mean, Grant had a particular approach to it, and he ended up winning the war. Well, if you haven't seen this, protesters in San Francisco Friday tore down a statue of President Grant, about 400 people gathered around the statue to take it down. No arrests were made. How can 400 people show up in public and vandalize a statue and no arrests being made? Well, I guess it's San Francisco. That tells you where you're going. Now, you might say, Jeff, that doesn't make any sense. Grant was, was the general that led the U.S. to victory, the North to victory in, in the Civil War. And it was, you know, through that victory that the Emancipation Proclamation ended up getting enforced, and, and Grant went on to be the president, was one of the people who was trying to push for the, the Reconstruction. Oh, what is the beef? Well, apparently that um, Grant's, Grant's wife, her Grant's father-in-law, the parents of his wife, they, they were slave owners. And at one point in time, before the Civil War, uh, Grant was apparently gifted a quote-unquote slave, who worked side by side with him. By the way, Grant got, got all sorts of heat at the time for working side to side with, by the side with a slave. He apparently lived in Grant's house and then Grant ended up, and Grant was not a wealthy man, taking a couple thousand dollars and buying the guy's freedom. Okay, so that, that, that's, that's the background, but predominantly because Grant's in-laws were slave owners. That, that's why the statue of U.S. Grant now has to come down. We have to sanitize history. Well, really? I guess the question becomes, at, at what point in time do we start saying, okay, this is our American history, and you know what? We, we have to learn from it, but my, my goodness, you're, you're, going after, you're going after George Washington. You're going after U.S. Grant, and now we are going after Teddy Roosevelt. The bronze statue of Theodore Roosevelt, which has been in front of the American Museum of Natural History in New York since 1940, it is being removed. If you've ever seen this this statue, it's this huge statue, and it shows Roosevelt on a horse, and there's a Native American man on one side, and there's an African American man on the other side of him. The statue is called Equestrian, and the beef against this is... Well, it just it supports colonialism and and we cannot have this there because it it shows colonialism, despite the fact that, you know, Theodore Roosevelt was as far from a segregationist as you can uh, imagine. But now we can't have that statue either. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The, The war now, the culture war now isn't isn't just against the Confederate legacy. That, 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 to me, is a different discussion. The Confederate flags, the Lee statues, um, the, the Stonewall Jackson statues. But now, now they're going after Teddy Roosevelt. Now people are, are going after George Washington. Now we're going after Ulysses S. Grant. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think this is going too far. And, and I think you're going to see... If you're not seeing it already, you're starting to see a backlash by what in this case may well be that silent majority of, of people 
who just say, look, I mean, this is all part of our history. George Washington, U.S. Grant, Teddy Roosevelt, come on. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Here's a text, Jeff. Okay, if people are that concerned about removing any tributes or monuments to anyone in our past who at any time owned slaves or acted in opposition to current racial and or social standards, then I'll guess we'll have to rename cities in Washington State and streets and schools and parks everywhere. These are ludicrous attempts to sanitize history. Many science fiction works theorize such actions by government, but now it's in reality. It's delusional, vocal people themselves forcing irrational purging. It is just like book burning. It is. And it is being countenanced by some of our elected officials. How do you have, seriously, 400 people gather in San Francisco and attack a, a statue of U.S. Grant, and they make no arrests at all. How, how, how do you do that? But, of course, it, it's clearly, it, it's the mayor. It's let, Let's just let people go out and, and destroy stuff. This is book banning. And, again, I'm not talking about the Confederate statues. That's a whole different discussion. But now you, you can't have public monuments to George Washington because it's not politically correct, or Thomas Jefferson, or U.S. Grant, or heaven forbid that we've got, you know, an, a name of Woodrow Wilson's name on a building. Let's start with Ann in Grafton. Ann, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Well, thank you for taking my call. Good afternoon. Um, I think uh, a lot of stuff has gone to the point where businesses, schools, communities are feeling a little bit bullied. And I think that somewhere along the line, somebody has to grow a backbone, a spine, if you will, and say, hey, enough's enough. And why can't you leave the statues up? Use the statues as a learning tool. If you're African-American, then say, okay, this is... um, Lee, and he was a general in the Civil War, and the Civil War started by states' rights and eventually worked its way to slavery. This is what happened, and use it as a training tool. Use it as a teaching tool. And I think everyone could then be happy because you're showing both sides of the coin for that particular issue being the Civil War. Well, sure. And see, I think and, if we use it. No, and what's going on, Ann, to your point is, right right now, there, there, there's this unreasoning thing that's going on there as part of the cancel culture. It's, let's take the Grant situation. I mean, here you have arguably the greatest union general of all time who, like I say, won the Civil War that led directly to the abolishment of slavery. And, and yet now we, we can't have a statue uh, against about him because, OK, we're going to find something in his background for one year and we're going to have to cancel him. Well, where, where would this country be without Ulysses S. Grant? Not in a good spot, I would argue. And if you go with the program that was on TV, it was him telling Lincoln about how some of the slaves who had escaped wanted to fight and work with the Union Army. And when that was perceived as a good thing, everyone decided, okay, these people want to fight for their own rights. This is excellent. Let's Let's say let's free them all. And the Emancipation Proclamation came down. And you got to take a look at history sometimes a little closer 
Right. Not everyone is 100 percent bad. Well, right. not everyone's 100 percent good. Well, right. Thanks. No, that's so right. There, there are these kind of nuances. Am I arguing George Washington was a perfect person? Well, well no, no. And, and I'm sure that he did things that especially when viewed by by standards of, of 2020, people would find to be objectionable, maybe morally reprehensible. But my God, this is the father of our country. And now you have this lunatic fringe. And that's what it is. It is this lunatic fringe which is driving the the, the bus we're going to tear down the we've got to get rid of there's a commentator in cnn the other day we've got to get rid of the washington monument we okay we, we have to pretend that this did not occur because well if we don't that shows that we're not woke no it, look this is the history good bad or whatever people are imperfect but it, it doesn't mean that you can't recognize ulysses s grant you can't recognize thomas jefferson you can't recognize george washington you can't recognize Woodrow Wilson, the li- Teddy Roosevelt, the list goes on. Vincent on the northwest side. Vincent, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Good after- Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Oh, good afternoon. Hi. Uh, the fact is that uh, last year, my, my wife and I, we visited uh, Monticello's Thomas Jefferson home and plantation. Oh. One, to learn something about Jefferson and, his, and also his relationship with Sally Hemings. It was very, it was, it, the information that was given was very valuable about both of them. And so if you destroy that particular history, how can we go on and how can we uh, try to stop the mistakes of the future? Mm-hmm. It, it's absolutely ridiculous to go around and start tearing down statues, especially of, of, of Grant, who, who, uh, who initiated, like the caller before, uh, individuals that were, uh, were slaves to put them in the Union Army to help fight the war. Yeah. He was the one that initiated that. And so you, you, these individuals out here probably don't know their history, don't care about learning about history. And so they go out here and just begin to destroy, destroy things that are, that are valuable not only to us uh, individuals in this country, but the fact is that that, that, that is going to help them understand what they need to do in the future. But, you know, like I said, these individuals are clueless about the history that's going on in this, in this country. Well, it is. No, thanks. I mean, it, it is. Look, and again, I, I understand if there's a statue out there to somebody who was the governor of a state who was also the, the grand wizard for the Ku Klux Klan, I, I understand. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the presidents of the United States, Woodrow Wilson and Ulysses Grant and Theodore Roosevelt and George Washington. This idea that we we they don't measure up to the ideal of, of some member of a mob somewhere, and as a result, either that or either a member of a mob or a member of the liberal intelligentsia, the liberal elite, that we have to be able to. We've just got to completely cancel all this. To which you say, you know, at, at some point in time, how far back does this go? Somebody sent me a note saying, okay, do we take down the pyramids because you know they, they were built by slaves. Well, it's, I, I don't know what the answer is, but what you have right now is, is you have the, these mobs that are out there. And in many cases, I think what's happening is it's just anarchy. You you have the idea that we're, we're just going to destroy stuff for the sake of destroying stuff, and then we're going to come up with sort of the flimsiest excuses that we possibly can to try to justify this. And, and look, again, there are, there are people including myself, who are, are sympathetic to some of these messages. Do I think a Confederate flag should be flying over the State House of South Carolina? No, I don't. I, I, I don't. At the same time, do I think a statue of Ulysses S. Grant should be able to stand in a park in San Francisco? 
Of course. Do I think a statue of George Washington deserves to stand in a park in in Portland, Oregon, and not be vandalized by a bunch of thugs who decide to want to destroy it? Of of course. You know that's the case. And and I will tell you for for people who are sympathetic with means of the protest, and this was something we talked about in the last hour. You you for for the fringe and this happens and it's it's happening faster and faster you you have the, these movements that come up and and they're they're well we understand where they're coming from and things like that and then they get hijacked by the extremists and then there ends up being a backlash and i'm going to tell you something if you're going to go be a go around destroying statues of thomas jefferson and george washington and uh demanding the teddy roosevelt statue be removed from in front of a museum where it's been for 80 years okay you're going to have a backlash about among a lot of people who are going to say we're not going to sanitize history and we're not going to allow your weird approach and your hang-ups to be the thing that's going to dominate this you want to learn from history all right you got to recognize that most of our historical figures were not perfect people at all you take the good with the bad you learn from it all and you move on this is jeff wagner you're listening to jeff wagner on wtmj A number of you are making a very interesting point about the, this cancel culture and how far we, we go. Okay, so you you, the, you have the you have the slash protesters, anarchists, thugs who take down the George Washington statue and the U.S. Grant statue and the Thomas Jefferson statue and recognize. Okay, I, think about one of the most iconic landmarks in in this country. What would that be? What would be Mount Rushmore? You ever been to Mount Rushmore? I used to live in South Dakota, okay. so yeah. So you've been yeah, to Mount. Yeah. I've been to Mount Rushmore too. I used to date a gal from oh. a, uh, a woman and lived, who parents lived in Rapid City, South mm-hmm. Dakota. Mm-hmm. So I know that. Okay, so all right. So l- let's think about the cancel culture here. Think about Mount Rushmore. Who who are the four presidents who are on Mount Rushmore? I, I won't put you to the test there, Melissa. Melissa was going to look at. Okay, <laughs> George, I, I won't put you on the test. All right, George, Washington. George Washington. Okay, mm-hmm. you, you, I'm going to I'm going to give it a shot here. Washington, Jefferson. Okay. Uh, hmm. Okay. Well, the the tip was the lead off I gave in because I, I went through the, the whose monuments are now being oh, yeah. destroyed. <laughs> see, see, I was like, wait, that, maybe that I was the clue. Have, George, okay, there's four presidents on Mount Rushmore: George Washington, <laughs> mm-hmm. first president of the United States; Thomas Jefferson, Jefferson. the third president of the United States; um, Theodore, Theodore Roosevelt, Roosevelt okay, right? And, and think Lincoln. 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 Oh, okay. Of okay. Course, yeah. So, but all right. But but think of this: there are attacks now being launched on the Roosevelt statues. Take that down. Take the down down statue. George Washington statue. Thomas Jefferson statue. What is what is next? Is this going to be it? Are we going to have vandals that descend on 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 Mount Rushmore and decide that we're going to try to take that down? Well, if you do, bring a ladder. I guess that would be my advice. But this just shows how far the cancel culture is going and how crazy it is getting. And there's always a blowback at some point in time as the fringe elements start to hijack some of these movements. And let me tell you, a lot of these movements have been hijacked by the fringe, and I think there's going to be starting starting to be a blowback. Get rid of the Washington Monument. Give me a break. Get rid of Mount Rushmore. Give me an even bigger break. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
somebody sent me a story and I, I'm just I, I'm trying to read it thinking is it sarcasm or or is it is it sincere? Because like sometimes, for, I always tell people that if they're if they're trying to be like sarcastic, a lot of times it, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily come through on on the radio, and sometimes it doesn't. Here, here's a story somebody sent me um, on Deadspin, and it's a columnist who's saying, okay, here here's one of the other things that needs to go: the Masters golf tournament needs to go. We can no longer call it the Masters because, first of all, I mean, it, it's in Augusta, Georgia. And, of course, uh, Augusta National was built on the grounds that were once a slave plantation and was the property of a slave owner. Okay, it, it of course, not now, but once was. And then when you hear someone say the Masters, you think of slave masters in the South, right? Um, you don't think of someone mastering the game of golf. When it, and it's um, – I, I just – I, I kind of, and of course, you know, the uh, Augusta, for the longest time, you know, didn't allow, you know, uh, didn't allow black members. And so I, I'm reading through this all, and I'm thinking, you know, is this sincere or or not? And it it just it may in fact, it may in fact be sincere. And I guess again, it's just like at, at what point in time do we have to say we we just can't completely whitewash history? All right. Now, here's the story. I want to tell you the story of May Boyce. She is, and I, I'm just going to say this in the beginning. I want to have this discussion. My prediction is there is no way a jury convicts her of anything. That's my prediction. What do you think will happen? Here's the deal. May Boyce is an 88-year-old lady. She stands five foot three. She weighs 115 pounds. Right? 88 years old, 5'3", 115 pounds. She owns a liquor store in Nashville, Tennessee, and she's owned it since 1994. She works at the liquor store six days a week. She opens the liquor store in the morning. She closes it at night. She has been robbed and assaulted on multiple occasions. Matter of fact, up until what I'm going to tell you about that happened last week, she was, um, two months ago, she was attacked by somebody, and she still, her her, uh, wrist is still in a brace or something like that from the last time she was assaulted, and she was robbed. All right, after the last assault, her sister, her sister-in-law, doesn't matter. Uh, um, lends her their late mother's thirty-eight caliber Smith and Wesson snub nose revolver. So after the last time she was robbed a couple months ago, she she takes she takes a gun and she brings it into the the store and she she wraps it up and she's got it like in a cloth or something and it's behind it's behind the counter. So the store has been robbed on multiple occasions. She has, in fact, been attacked. So last Tuesday, around closing time, but not yet closing time, these two guys come into her liquor store. And one of them apparently goes up to her at the counter and says that um, he, he wants he wants brown liquor. The other, I'm reading from the criminal complaint now, identified as Ramon Fisher, grabs a couple bottles of Crown Royal from behind the counter. May Boyce, the 88-year-old woman who's five foot three, then confronts Fisher. Hey, put that back. Don't steal that. At which point in time, 
Fisher lunges at her. Um, Boyce, a widow, 5'3", 115 pounds, said Fisher was going to push her down. So he pushed at her, then turns, runs for the exit, the bottles under his arm, under his arm. May then says, Mrs. Boyce says, I did what I had to do. After you've been played for a fool by people stealing from you and attacking you for years, you get fed up. And don't put me in the category of a little old lady. I know how to take care of myself. So what she does is after the guy pushes her and starts to head out the door with the liquor bottle, she pulls out the thirty-eight caliber snub nose Smith & Wesson, and she fires in his general direction. She, her story is that she's never fired a gun before. So she fires in his general direction. He runs out the door. He, he, she, she hits him, and he kind of staggers, and then his low-life thief buddy kind of grabs him and, and helps him out the door. Well, the scene switches, so then she calls the police. And she said, this guy kind of came in, and he attacked me, and they, they robbed me, and I, I, I shot at him. And so the, the police, okay, they, they get a description. Then what happens is they catch up with Ramon Fisher. Ramon Fisher is at the Vanderbilt Hospital, <laughs> and he tells police that, uh, yeah, we were drunk and high, and me and my friend, we went to this store to steal some liquor, and the old lady behind the counter ended up shooting me. All right. So the police go back and says, yeah, that, that's what happened. I mean, I, I kind of shot at him. But, yeah, I, I shot at him, hit him. And I'm 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 fed up. All right. May Boyce has now been charged criminally with aggravated assault for for shooting at the the thief as the thief was after he had kind of pushed at her trying to get out out the door now. This is, in some respects, remember we've had this conversation about what happened in Atlanta where you had the 45-minute confrontation between the police and the the guy who was sleeping in the Wendy's parking lot, and ultimately he grabbed somebody's taser and then tried to flee and got shot in the back and and killed. All right, so this is another example. And a matter of fact, last week I I said I don't think you can shoot, police should be shooting fleeing felons in the back. All right? All right, here's the deal. You've got the 88-year-old liquor store owner who's been attacked, robbed, and she's in the process of getting robbed again. She pulls out the gun, and as one of the robbers is racing out the door, she fires a shot at him. Is there any way a jury will convict May Boyce? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and my answer to the district attorney is, look, maybe you technically have the element of a crime here, but in this particular situation, there's no way that any jury anywhere in this country is going to find this 88-year-old lady guilty of a crime. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would you, if you were on that jury? We discuss. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What I find to be so interesting about this story is it, it, it reflects what happens sometimes when you have the letter of the law and then you have reality. 
and, and sometimes they, they just come into conflict. Now, as we talked about last week with the shooting in Atlanta, you're you're not allowed to use deadly force unless it is to suppress a threat uh, against yourself of, of deadly force. So you could make the argument maybe that if she shot him the thief, while he was lunging at her, she was like, she's, hey, I'm 88 years old. I was afraid that he was going to kill me. You, you could justify that. But, you know, he had already lunged at her, pushed her, and then was running out when she shot him. So that, I mean, technically, I understand the, the aggravated assault charge. At the same time, okay, that that's the letter of the law. That's the theory. And then there is the reality of Okay, here's the here's the courtroom. You've got the 88-year-old lady who's running the 88-year-old widow who's running the liquor store who's been assaulted and vandalized on multiple occasions by criminals who are coming in and taking advantage of her. You have these two criminals who've come in and are in the process of stealing from her and one of them pushes her, assaults her, and, and she shoots him. I'm just telling you, I, regardless of the letter of the law, and I'm not faulting necessarily the charges, I just don't see any way in the world that you get 12 people to unanimously agree that this woman is guilty. That's kind of the reality as opposed to, okay, what the letter of the law might be. Am I wrong? Gianni and Montello, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Uh, yes, Jeff. Uh, again, here we here we hear about someone, uh, an elderly person being robbed um, in a Listen, uh, no, no, no jury is going to convict her um, for obvious reasons. She, she needs to have to protect herself. When, when two thugs and miscreants and blackguards come into a store, what is she going to do? I mean, and they pushed her. Yep. What if she had fallen and hit her head? Yep. Listen, Jeff, um, I, I spent, uh, I, I don't even know if this is an economic issue. Maybe it's more of a gun thing. But I spent three years in Leningrad after this after the breakup of the Soviet Union, um, a city of 5 million people. And, you know, Jeff, the ruby, ru- ruble was devaluing by the, by, by the day, and I saw very little crime. Now, th- there's an answer to this, if Americans want to get serious. And it's a five-letter word, and it starts with a G, and it ends with a G. And it also um, seems to be uh, pretty effective. Gulag? Is that Can the word? Can you tell me what it is? Gulag? Is that the word? The word, the word is gulag. Gulag. Yeah. Okay. The word How is about gulag. That? And, and if we, if 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 we would, yeah, very good, very good. Uh, if if we would punish people um, uh, to the fullest extent of the law, instead of letting repeat offenders out, this woman may may have been, uh, you know. Uh, She'd still be running her store, and maybe she is, but she's not going to be convicted, and we could lower the crime rate with with a um, an American-style gulag apologo in the United States. That Thanks. would solve the problem. Thanks for the call, Jenny. I'm gonna, not going to take any position on, on sending them to the gulags, but I, 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 I do think this is one of those these practical areas where, you know, from a prosecutor's perspective— I, you, you can bark this case into court, but I, I'm telling you, this is one where I think the majority of people are going to look at this and they say, we understand what the technical requirements of the law are. You know, we, we, we get it, but you, you don't cite somebody for speeding just because you caught them going 28 in a 25-mile zone. And in this particular case, the lady really is the, the victim uh, in this particular situation. Now, as I've talked about frequently, I, I don't think 
people should have guns if they don't know how to use guns. <laughs> you know, and, and and she was like, I've never fired this thing before. Well, that, that's because because candidly, that's that's the worst sort of situation because you take a gun there and you know you you end up getting disarmed. Now, in this particular case, you know, this lady wasn't wasn't that lady, but I I, I guess I, I look at this and I just say as a practical matter. She she's not going to be convicted at all. Jeff, I hear some texts. I bet my bottom dollar a jury. I, I bet my bottom dollar a jury in California would convict her. I don't know. I may, I don't even think in San Francisco that she'd get convicted. Jeff, she absolutely will not get convicted. Um, let's see. Uh, um, da, 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 da. Uh, Jeff, they should have a parade for her. Well, I'm not going to go that far. But at the same time, this this this. You got to understand, we're, we lose sight sometimes in our society today who who the victims are and who the perpetrators are. And, and candidly, to me, you know, eighty-eight year old May Voice, May Voice is the victim much more so than a perpetrator. Uh, the would-be thief has no charge either. In this case, it doesn't even make it to court. No reasonable person would charge her. Jeff, May Boyce is my hero. It's time people start fighting back against thugs. Jeff, she's a hero. Well, look, I, I don't want to go Bernard Getz in this segment, you know, and, and, and promote vigilantism and all. But at the same time, um, I, I think you, you do have to understand why people do certain things. And I do think that there are sort of societal norms that are out there. And in this particular case, guess what? We'll see how this all plays out. But my guess is this case does not get it, does not make it to court period, and May Boyce does not walk out with a felony conviction. Just my general sense of the matter. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. And this is Jeff Wagner. All right, what, what jumps out at you about the first couple paragraphs in the story that's on JS Online? Four, the headline is, 14-year-old boy injured in shooting early Monday after violent weekend in Milwaukee. Oh, we, we did talk about that, by the way. Uh, you know, you have... Now, Milwaukee is nothing like Chicago, where they had, what, 14 homicides and over 100 shootings in a three-day period, and yet you have people who want to defund the police. Yeah, tell me how that's going to all work out. And, and, of course, you've got all these protests that are out there protesting police misconduct, which is well and good, and I understand the intention, but, you know... It, 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 where are the protests about the, the daily violence that the, that goes on in, in a number of these communities on, on just a, a regular basis? Where is the outrage, you know, about about that? Where are the thousands of people that are protesting criminal elements that are taking over certain urban areas? But you know, but again, I, I digress. But in any event, here, here's the the story. 14-year-old boy, this is the way it's written, 14-year-old boy suffered a gunshot wound while sitting in a vehicle early Monday, Milwaukee police said, one of the latest shootings following a violent weekend. The teen's injuries were not life-threatening, police said in a statement. He was struck by gunfire about 1 a.m. in the 800 block of West Atkinson Avenue and walked into a hospital for treatment police said. Although the circumstances leading up to the shooting are still under investigation, police said it does not appear the teen was the intended target. About half an hour later, a 28-year-old Milwaukee man was shot in the 2400 block of North 29th Street and suffered injuries that were not life-threatening. The two Monday morning shootings came after a spate of gun violence over the weekend. According to reports from police, four people died, 12 were injured in the shootings. By the way, um, for, for people who might want to go out and protest, the homicides in the city of Milwaukee up 66% this year compared to this time last year. 
Now that, you want to be outraged about something, that's something to be outraged about. But I digress. Let's go back to what caught my attention. 14-year-old boy struck by gunfire um, sitting in a vehicle, 800 block of West Atkinson Avenue, walked to the hospital. Okay, uh, you know, and, and of course it's appalling. You're just sitting in a vehicle that doesn't appear like he was the target. Random bullets get start, bullets start flying. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time. Which brings me to my point. He was struck by gunfire about 1 a.m. Monday in the 800 block of West Atkinson Avenue. 1 a.m. Now, again, I understand that this is a different time, but you got a 14-year-old kid who's out on the street at 1 o'clock in the morning. And maybe this is just, again, I understand, maybe I was raised at a different time, and it certainly was, but when I was 14 years old, I guarantee you, I would not have been out on the street sitting in a car at one o'clock in the morning. It's just, it, it would not, it would not have happened. And so w- would that have happened to me? No, because I wouldn't have been in a position to have it happen because I wouldn't have been out on the streets at one o'clock in, in the morning. Now, maybe in this particular case, there's some compelling reason why the kid was, was out there. And okay, that, that's fine if it comes out. But, but my guess is, you know, a, a lot of this stuff, it's, you know, I mean, parents, do you know where your kids are? What 14-year-old is out on the street at 1 o'clock in, in the morning? Now, again, maybe it's going to turn out there's a good justification for this or or whatever. But but in general, you know, what what's Wagner's rule of life number four? That, you know, nothing good happens outside a strip club at 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, I, I think a version of that is, you know, for for young teenagers, for 13 and 14-year-olds, not too much good happens on the streets at at one o'clock in the morning. And again, maybe there's some compelling reason why this young man was sitting in, in the car. But, you know, how often do we see these stories where it, it's young people, it's teenagers that are out on on the streets that are in situations, they're out there at times that, you know, most reasonable people would not think is a good idea, and then bad things end up happening. So one o'clock in the morning, struck by gunfire, not his fault, he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. But it, it's one o'clock in the morning. I mean, but parents, parents, what what what? 14-year-old is out on the streets at one o'clock in the morning? This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. I have a point to make, but I want to let my friend and colleague, Melissa Barkley, tell this story. And my, my only lead into it is, my guess is, if you drive a car around here, you have a story which is very similar to this. Because whatever we're, I understand we're concerned with all sorts of issues, but you know what? One of the major issues is you take your life into your own hands every time you get behind the wheel of a vehicle. Melissa, tell me about your weekend. (laughs) Well, I I mentioned this to you uh, during the break, but it was so disturbing to me this weekend. I mentioned uh, before that we went, my boyfriend and I, we went to a strawberry patch and we picked strawberries on Father's Day and had a nice time. But on the way out there, we traveled um, along Capitol Drive and we went on to Fond du Lac Avenue and I saw, you know, the things that we always see out there because there's the reckless driving problem here in Milwaukee that, you know, a lot of people have experienced, but a car zipped past us on the right-hand side. That didn't really 
bother me that much because it happens all the time. Um, but the thing that did bother me is when we drove onto Fond du Lac Avenue, as we're pulling on to the road, there was a car coming straight at us in the opposite direction, going the wrong way. And I, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And it, it was so shocking to me. I mean, I guess maybe they were taking a shortcut. I don't know. But they were headed straight towards us as we're going the what right way. What time of way. day is this? And that was another shocking part. It, it, it was 9 o'clock in the morning. And I thought about it all weekend long. I thought, gosh, wh- why do people do that? Why would you put not, not only my life in your hands, but your own life in your own hands and so this in your, this, your car, this wasn't a mistake this was somebody no, this making was, the conscious decision right. that they're driving the wrong way down Correct. the street this, yeah. was, this was something that was a choice um I, but i talked about it all day i was like oh it was very um just perplexing in my head and i'm i kept thinking how do we how do we solve that problem well, well no it, well it, it's freaky and, 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 and it is. It's i've, I've had one or two occasions where i've had a run, one wrong way driver coming and, and you don't know what to do you, don't you just know, yeah. you just i mean you kind of just sort of like freak out because you know do you swerve because right. then are they going to swerve or whatever so no. we were in the left-hand lane and they were over in the right-hand lane going the opposite way and yeah, I mean, you when that happens, you don't know what that other person's going to do, no matter what you do. So, luckily, everybody was fine, but it just was very shocking to see that. Mm-hmm. No, and I know I know a lot of people have had experience like that. Okay, thank you You're for welcome. sharing. That's the, that's the launching off point. I now actually, it's funny that she should, Melissa should be telling that story because um, middle middle of last week. I, I was driving on a street in Milwaukee, and Melissa made the reference to people passing you on on the right. And and, and I, I had an experience not that far from the station. Is I'm the speed limit where I'm it's like thirty five miles an hour, and there's there's two, like two lanes, and then there's kind of like a parking bus lane, bike lane, something like that. And I look in the rearview mirror, and I see this car coming up behind me. And if if I'm going thirty miles an hour, which is the speed limit or thereabouts, this car is going sixty. And and you know we're we're coming up, and there's a bunch of cars, and I'm kind of watching this in my rearview mirror, going, "Huh, how is this going to to work out?" And as the guy comes up behind me, he swerves into what would be the bus lane, bike lane, whatever, driving pro- twice as fast as, as traffic is moving. You know, goes in the bus lane, bike lane, kind of up on the sidewalk, goes and and then ultimately swerves in front of a car about three or four in front of me. And I, I remember just thinking, it's it's there but for the grace of God that somebody just didn't really really get hurt. Now, tying it back to something we were talking about earlier, we, we have all these protest movements and these, these movements afoot saying, all right, we, we, we got to defund the police because we have institutional problems with police forces. And again, I, I understand there, there's, there, there are issues with the police. But you, know, you just, let's take something basic. Let's not even talk about the shootings and stuff that have been occurring in our communities. Let, let's just talk about the roadways and, and the fact that I don't know if anybody hasn't noticed, has noticed this, but it has not gotten safer out on the roadways. As a matter of fact, if anything, I think you can make an argument over the last couple months, it's gotten, people have gotten more and more reckless. Now, one of the things with everybody, you know, staying, you know, sheltering in place and that type of stuff is there haven't been as many people out on the roadways, but now that's starting to change. I don't know about you. When I go out, I, I, I notice 
lots more traffic. And I notice a lot more jack wagons driving on the roads as well. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, l- l- let's talk about some tales from the front. For, for everybody who says, let's get these cops off the street. I, I don't know. If, if, if we did not have police trying out there, trying to keep some sense of sanity out on the roadways, it would be a complete and total disaster. If anything, when I think it comes to, you know, trying to, I don't know, pull people over, trying to stop people from running red lights, trying to stop people from driving in irresponsible fashions, I think you can make a strong argument that not only do we not need to defund the police, but we need a lot more cops that are out there because there are people who just don't give a rat's rump about themselves or other people, and they're out there on the roadways. And unfortunately, those of us who are driving, because we have to go places, we take our lives into our own hands. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Defund the police. What are you going to do the next time that drunk driver blows through the red light or the wrong way driver coming down Fond du Lac Avenue at 9 o'clock in the morning comes straight at you? Um, I, I just don't get any sense at all that people are committed to being any less reckless than they were three or four months ago. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Dave downtown. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello? Hi, Dave. Hi. I, you know, there's, there's a cutout sometimes on the, on the radio. Yeah, the same thing happened to me, and I was just perplexed by in my brain for... I'm still perplexed about it because you just don't understand it. It's illogical that someone would even do it. So I'm going up the 35th Street Viaduct, and I'm, the light's about to change, and I'm going to go. Well, a car is on the opposite side of traffic. He literally goes into the opposite lane of traffic. It's coming straight towards me and runs the red light. Yeah. <laughs> and this is at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And it, it was, like, so reckless because he's on the far left, and he pulls around all the other traffic because he's not going to make the red light and comes in the opposite lane of traffic. As I'm going through the intersection, he's coming straight yeah. towards me. Yep. And by the grace of God, I'm like, hey. I mean, I don't know how the guy just didn't hit me head on right and kill me or kill himself. No, I no, thanks. I, I will tell you, I, I, this, this is an honest-to-goodness true story. I was, um, my wife and I were, were driving somewhere over the weekend, and I, look, I, I understand trying to sneak through red lights. Okay, so you're, you're driving, the light's green, it turns yellow. I understand if you're close to the intersection, you want to get through. There were, within the space of, of, of 10 minutes, two different people who we watched, and I mean, okay, so they're in one lane, I'm in the other lane. The light, the light has turned yellow a ways away. All right, so you're not, you're not gonna, there's no way you can make it through this. And so I, I watch, they start to accelerate. The light is red as they're going into the intersection, which means they're red as they're coming through it. And it's a, we're both looking around thinking, it's, Somebody's going to get killed out here. And I guess people do get killed out there, but it is the, the idea, the traffic is so bad and the irresponsible and reckless drivers are, are so bad that, you know, we, we need, like I say, we need more enforcement. Where are the protests about that? Let's talk to Rain in Milwaukee. You're on WTMJ. Hello. 
Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, I uh, just wanted to, yeah, I just uh, I wanted to share the experience that I had with you. It seems to be getting worse. You know, I live in Milwaukee, um, and I'm driving on the freeway, and this guy's laying in. And, uh, you know, typically, you know, I'm, I have to got the right away. You know, the guy's supposed to slow down and let me pass. He just acts like I'm not even there, and then he just cuts me off, right? And I'm like, oh, all right, well, mistakes happen. Maybe he wasn't paying attention. No, the guy's looking right at me like I'm a punk, right? Like, you know, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> yeah. So I call the cops, and, uh, you know, I told him what happened. Like, this guy's driving reckless, you know? Like, I mean, that's, you know, that's, you, you can't do that. And they're like, oh, okay, you know, we'll transfer you over to dispatch. And the, the dispatch line's busy. Yeah. I'm like, well, I mean, we're entering in a stage of lawlessness. I mean, I don't drive that nice of a car, but, I mean, just anecdotally, you know, if it keeps up like this, you know, I'll, you know, I'll, yeah, I'll take it, you know, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Well, so, no, I mean, thanks, I no, thanks, Carl. I mean, here's here's what's going to happen. I mean, there are there are large chunks of, in this case, the city of Milwaukee that, that I, I just that people won't drive through, and, and because you just take your life into your own hands, you can argue maybe it was worse a little while ago when the police were prevented, thanks to the ex-chief, former police chief, and the mayor from from chasing people, so that they just ran with impunity. But it, it's not getting better out there. And I guess when we we talk about all these problems and issues that people have with the police, I, I just it's important to give context, and we've lost that context over the last several weeks of all the things that we want the police to be doing, including like making it such that you can you know walk through an intersection with the light without having to get worried that you're going to get run down by some 16-year-old driving a stolen car or some 36-year-old driving a stolen car or some 46-year-old who's not paying attention and decides what the heck I can do whatever I want. I mean, that's it, that that's the flip side of this that we're losing. Yeah, Jeff, I, there's, Jan writes me a note. I've got a story. How about being passed down the white center line between two lanes at 60th and Villard? So I think what she's saying is she's on presumably on, on Villard, and there's a car in the left lane, there's a car in the right lane, and somebody goes in between the two of them. Um, huh. You know, no, that would uh, that would uh, that would be it. Um, you know, it's just it's, you know, one after a- another, um, you know, and I, I will tell you, I mean, one of the things that's going to happen is, you know, one of the things that's going to happen here is that unless the, the more people complain about the police, the more inclined those police are, are going to be to to just not want to get involved. Okay, you know we're, we're being we're being criticized for over policing. We're being criticized for the broken windows form. We're being criticized for you know stopping too many people who are you know driving without licenses or or whatever. Okay, so the the effect is going to be okay. People are going to pull back on that. Is that going to make the community a safer place? And the answer isn't just no, but heck no. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It was the Brewers' first trip to the postseason since 2011, and they went to Colorado looking for a trip to the NLCS. Bob Euchre calls Game 3 of the NLDS, that would be National League Division Series, between the Brewers and the Rockies from Denver. Tune in next Wednesday at 6. We're one week closer to live Brewers baseball. Now, 
I love the way that's written because it doesn't say we're close to live Brewers baseball. It just says we're one week closer, which is accurate. Brewers Classic is sponsored by your local carrier dealer, American Family Insurance, Biofuels Association, You Singer's Famous Sausage, Engman Taylor, and Sartori Cheese. All right. President Trump had a huge, his, his kind of return to the campaign trail. The rally was in Tulsa. Um, there were predictions that it would be hugely attended. Um, they, were, they were talking about they had, they had set up an area outside, for a stage for an overflow crowd. And that, that overflow crowd did not materialize. Not only did the overflow crowd not materialize, but um, the according to the fire marshal in Tulsa, so take it for what it's worth, the, the actual attendance inside the auditorium that seats like 19,000 was somewhere less than 7,000. So the reports that are out there are that President Trump was extremely unhappy at the fact that there were, you know, a, in the upper deck, that there were large, you know, areas of, of vacant seats. So he draws 77,000, maybe a little bit fewer, maybe a little bit more, you know, who, who will argue. But there's no question lots of seats were available the president apparently very frustrated some of the the social media sites are like tiktok um and k-pop which is a, a another website they're claiming partly responsibility for this because they say that they they went online and they had their people make reservations for tickets that they never intended to use the trump people say no this happens all the time we 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 knew, you know, we can tell what the fake ones are, and so we just discount it. But nevertheless, the attendance was not what was expected. Our number, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand there are reasons for this, and, and, and I get it. You had, you know, a, a lot of people... And a lot of a lot of the media conversation was, all right, this is going to be this big event in a, in a closed area. People aren't going to be wearing masks. You're going to have the spread of coronavirus. There were other people who were saying, you know, the reports were, okay, it, it's going to be a situation where you're going to have a lot of, of protesters that are going to be there, and it's going to be a confrontation. So maybe people just decided not to, not to come. So there's lots of explanations for why the place might not have been completely packed. But regardless, it wasn't. I look at what happened over the weekend, and to me, th- you have to take this as a warning sign. Now, I, I'm, am I saying that you know what happened at this rally is indicative of the fact that President Trump's not going to get reelected? No. But for people out there who are, are downplaying this, one of the strengths of the Trump campaign has always been he has these loyal supporters who are going to run through brick walls to vote for him, and they're going to do anything they can to they're going to show up. Well, the, the truth is, for Lots of different reasons. They didn't show up on on Saturday in Tulsa. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't want to read too much into this, and I think you always have to be careful about that. But you look at what's going on in a lot of the swing states. You look at, I don't know, some of the circumstances. Can you look at what happened in Tulsa and not be... If you, especially if you're somebody who was really pushing hard for the re-election of President Trump, can you look at what happened in Tulsa and not be concerned? And my answer would be no. All right, how much do we read into this? 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Matt in Oak Creek. Matt, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. 
Hey, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Okay, so what happened Saturday? I, I think there was a, a lot of a mixed things that went into this not turning out to be the way that they had thought it would be. I mean, between what they're claiming, you know, happened with TikTok and these K-pop users and, um, you know, the fact that it was one of his first rallies post, you know, I can't even really say post-COVID, but one of the first rallies during COVID, you know, I think people were probably how they are with any other event. They were kind of leery on potentially going. They may have overassumed on the Trump administration the amount of people that were actually going to show up or maybe some people heard, you know, what was going on there at the last minute and thought they either weren't going to get in or decided to back out because of health concerns. Um, I just think that, you know, not that it's being overblown, though, but I think that the Democratic side is definitely going to pounce on this. I mean, it's pretty much all you've heard about if you read the news today is, oh, Trump has he's lost his support. He has no support anymore. And it's like, guys, this is his first event during this COVID period, let's see how it goes once the election cycle really kicks in and we get closer to the point where, you know, it's actually going to take place. I think this is maybe just like a bump in the road that's being amplified to make him look bad. No, I think, man, I think there's some element to that. I mean, there's all sorts of reports that are out there. Again, not just the, not just the, the internet stuff, but you had lots of, Democrats who were out there who were signing up, who were reserving tickets, trying to create the impression that there was going to be this huge attendance that's out there. I also do think that there's I, I will tell you this. I, I, I thought he had the right to do it, but I, I'm not necessarily surprised because look, let, let's face it, a lot of President Trump's supporters are, are they got young ones, but you also got older people as well. And I, I think the idea of, of people cramming into, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, look, I, I love sporting events and stuff. Would, if if the Bucks had a home game tomorrow night, would, would I go sit in a stadium with 20,000 people? The answer is no. I, I just, I don't feel comfortable being in, in large gatherings yet. I don't know when that's going to be, but I think there's probably a lot of people that were in that, that same boat. So I don't, I don't put a I don't put a lot of weight in this other than the fact that the Trump administration, the Trump campaign should have been smart enough to anticipate that. So instead of scheduling an event for a 20,000 seat arena, you schedule it for an arena that seats 7,000 or 8,000 and then you pack it and then you don't end up having these stories. I mean, that's that's what you do if there's any doubt about this at, at all. At, at the same time, I, I do think. It's something you've got to be concerned about. I think there's a lot of explanations for this, but it, but nevertheless, it's been a it's been a bad couple months for the president, and and he's got to figure out from his perspective how he gets his mojo back and how he turns it around. And I don't know what the answer to that is, but candidly, am I surprised that the place wasn't full? No. Do I think that there was some manipulating the tickets? Yes. Do I think COVID nineteen had a huge factor? Yes. All the more reason why they should have done it in a smaller venue, and then you wouldn't have had this. Does it mean anything necessarily for the election? No. I think the president's got got some bigger problems, though, that that are out there, and he's got to figure out how to get back on message. And so far, they, they just haven't done that. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.